Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you like, you can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking Donate. Don't forget, I have other podcasts out there, including From John to Justin, which releases every single Friday and looks at every single Prime Minister in Canadian history, every election in Canadian history, and currently every opposition leader who never became Prime Minister. I do all these podcasts full-time, the writing, the research, everything, so every dollar you give helps keep it all going. If you like, you can email me at craig at CanadaEHX.com, you can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. During the pre-colonial era, before Europeans had ever reached the shores of Canada, the land that would be Nanton was occupied by the Blackfoot and their predecessors. For the Blackfoot, the bison were a vital part of their culture, not only providing food, but many of the supplies and materials they used throughout their lives. The large bison herds would dominate the landscape for centuries before they were nearly wiped out in the late 1800s, and it was around this time that settlers began to arrive in the area to build up homesteads. Today, Nanton sits on Treaty 7 land, signed in 1877 nearby to where the community is today at Blackfoot Crossing. At first, pioneers were settling in the area around the late 1800s and into the early 1900s to take advantage of the excellent ranching and farmland as well as its proximity to Calgary and the Canadian Pacific Railway. By February 1903, the community was starting to spring up where previously there was little more than cattle ranches. In the early parts of that year, two small buildings were built, beginning with the H.M. Shaw store, followed by the Auditorium Hotel. Before long, a butcher shop and grocery store was also established, and the community began to grow. On June 22, 1903, Nanton became a village, getting its name from Sir Augustus Nanton, who directed firms that offered financing for farms and ranches throughout the West, helping to increase settlement throughout the future provinces of Alberta and Saskatchewan. The first overseer of the community would be J.M. Bender. By 1906, the community had reached a population of between 400 and 500 people. One newspaper report from July of 1906 stated that 23 carloads of settlers' effects were unloaded in Nanton in one week. This showed the increasing number of settlers arriving in the community. By this point, the community was bringing in everything that it needed to be a modern community, including sidewalks, a fire brigade, a well to supply water to the community, and much more. Two elevators that had a capacity of 30,000 bushels each were also erected over the previous two years in Nanton. Four churches had also been built, offering services to the Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, and Anglican congregations. That same year, work was beginning to erect a new school at a cost of $8,000 or $200,000 today. The new school would be a four-room brick school similar to the Victoria School that served Calgary. A new school was also vitally needed, with 120 students attending a two-room schoolhouse at the time. 
Also in 1906, in the area of Willow Creek, the McEwen schoolhouse would be built. The land was donated by George Blake, and upon its completion there was a choice between naming it for Blake or for John McEwen, an early homesteader. A coin toss resulted in the schoolhouse being named for McEwen. In 1907, school classes opened and its role as a schoolhouse began. Eventually, though, as with all one-room schoolhouses, those days came to an end. The McEwen schoolhouse wouldn't disappear, though. Today, it sits in Nanton, where it's the Nanton Visitor Information Center, and it can be visited any time you go through the community. On August 9, 1907, Nanton would officially take the next step and become a town. Two years after Nanton became a town, the Canadian Bank of Commerce Bank Manager's House was constructed. This house was built in the craftsman-style home that was popular at the time. The Canadian Bank of Commerce opened a branch in Nanton on October 12, 1904, and two years later, CFA Gregory came from Barrie, Ontario to serve as manager, and it was he who had this house built. He would live in the house until 1911 when he was transferred out to Winnipeg. At that point, he sold the home to the bank and it would serve as the home of each bank manager until the mid-1970s. This beautiful home stands to this day, and while it is a private home, you can still take a walk through this wonderful community and see the outside of the home, which truly stands out in Nanton. In May of 2012, the home became a provincial historic resource. On February 9, 1924, Nanton would be struck by one of its worst disasters when an early morning fire originated at the rear of the Nanton grocery and quickly spread out of control. Before firefighters could respond, the fire had spread throughout the building and all of the contents were lost inside. Before long, the fire was beginning to spread to the other buildings along the street. When the fire alarm started waking up residents, many came to see what they could do to help. Telephone exchange operators also began calling farmers in the surrounding countryside, many of whom came in to help as well. Firefighters and equipment were also called for from High River and Calgary, but they would arrive too late to save many of the buildings. The citizens of Nanton did what they could to slow the fire from spreading until more help could arrive. At the same time, other residents began to save as much stock from the buildings along the street as they could to mitigate the financial cost of the fire for the building owners. By the time the fire was out, a block of buildings had been destroyed. The buildings lost to the fire included the Nanton Grocery, Nanton Bakery, Byler's Meat Market, Mally Hardware, three vacant buildings, the Paris Cafe, and a grocery store. All but the hardware store were owned by Sean Cooper of Nanton. The total cost of the blaze was estimated to be $60,000 or nearly $1 million today. I'd like to take a break away from the episode for a second to talk about ExploreNet. I spent most of my life living in rural areas in Canada, and I remember the days of dial-up internet and spotty high-speed service. For the past three years, I have been a customer of ExploreNet, and I can honestly say that it is the best rural internet I have ever had. My job as a podcaster means I spend a lot of time researching online, interviewing people over Zoom, and uploading content. Through it all, ExploreNet has provided me with excellent service. When I'm not working, I enjoy streaming content on several streaming platforms, and even doing some online gaming with a friend in Ontario. ExploreNet allows me to do all of that with ease. Right now, they offer up to 50 megabits per second on their new LTE network with unlimited data. Their service has only become faster and better since I first signed on. Today and beyond, ExploreNet is investing in building and upgrading the network at a rapid pace. ExploreNet is rural, and that is their route, and that is their focus. 
For more information about rural internet options in your area, go to explorenet.com or call 1-866-285-2253. On May 16, 1938, a man named Jim Coots, the grandson of the first elevator agent in Nanton's history, was born in nearby High River. He would grow up in Nanton and earn a law degree from the University of Alberta and an MBA from Harvard Business School. From 1963 to 1966, he was a secretary to Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson, and then from 1975 to 1981, he was the principal secretary to Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau. After leaving politics, he would enter the business world and became a philanthropist in his home province of Alberta. In 2001, he was awarded the Order of Canada for his contribution to law, politics, and his donations. Part of his donations was a quarter section of land on the more than century-old property that was owned by his grandfather. This section of land included the original homestead, extensive gardens, and restored outbuildings. That property was then turned into the Coutts Centre for Western Canadian Heritage in 2011. The homestead includes the home built in 1904 and features the Nanton sign that was the one to hang on the very first CPR station in the community. The chicken house was built in the 1900s before it was renovated into a guest house in 1996 and the writer's cabin was turned into a cute little spot after serving as a granary for many years. Today, the entire property preserves and celebrates the diverse heritage of the Canadian West. Coots would pass away only a few years later on December 31, 2013, but his legacy lives on through the centre. By the 1960s, Nanton was quickly making a name for itself as Tap Town. On April 22, 1964, the Calgary Herald published a story stating that the best drinking water in the world could be found in the town of Tap, Nanton. This was because of the water that was pumped to a spot near the main highway from 13 Springs in the Porcupine Hills. This spot resulted in thousands of people stopping there on a regular basis throughout the year to take advantage of the drinking water, which quickly turned into Nanton's main tourist attraction. Around this time, Nanton had over a thousand people and the people who stopped in town brought with them a huge amount of revenue through the food they bought and the gas they bought for their vehicles. This water was also one of the first to be bottled and sold in Canada, and that would lead directly to the creation of the Nanton Water and Soda Limited Company, which is still in business in the community to this day. In 1985, the Nanton Lancaster Society was formed with the goal of preserving the Avro Lancaster FM159 that had been on display in Nanton since 1960. The plane was one of only 17 left in the world at the time, and it was used in the area during the Second World War during the British Commonwealth Air Training Plan. In 1986, the Society began to display the aircraft as a museum, and that year the Lancaster had gone through a full restoration with all four engines operational. In 1991, a building was completed to house the plane, and the Bomber Command Museum of Canada was born. From there, things began to grow. Since 1991, the museum has expanded three times in 1998, 2002 and 2007 and now includes several planes, a library, a restoration shop and a gift shop. Currently, the museum houses 18 planes and 5 vehicles from the Second World War. The museum is currently restoring Mosquito RS-700 and they are also working with Halifax 57 Rescue to recover a Hanley Page Halifax HR-871 from off the coast of Sweden which will be displayed in the museum once it's restored. This would make the Bomber Command Museum one of only four museums in the entire world to have such a plane on display. The museum also features a flight simulator, a Cessna crane simulator, and airplane tours and engine runs. 
I've actually visited this museum before, and it's truly one of the best museums out there if you have an interest in the Second World War and aviation. Well, for many of us, if you hear Lancaster Bomber, you automatically think of Nanton. For years, it's had the iconic Second World War aircraft parked along Highway 2. And the end of September marked the 60th anniversary of the plane being moved to its home there. Kevin Fleming reports. After the Second World War, Lancaster bombers weren't needed anymore, and at an old training base in Vulcan, they were cut up for scrap metal. Three Nanton men wanted to honor the thousands of Canadian airmen by showcasing a Lancaster in their town, so they paid the scrap fee of $513 to save it. It took two days to move the aircraft through farmers' fields, over the Little Bow River, and across railway tracks. Once it arrived, it still needed engines and propellers. But they were still scrapping Lancasters at Fort McLeod Airport. So uh, the same guys that brought the Lancaster over, they went down to Fort McLeod and they bought four engines and four propellers for a Lancaster for $45 each. After sitting outside for 30 years, weather and vandals took their toll on the aircraft. In 1985, Dan Fox helped form the Nanton Lancaster Society to raise money to build a hangar. We had a gravel floor and no roll-up doors. Uh, we had it all wide open, of course, while they were building it. So we rolled the lank in on the gravel, parked it, and now it was inside. It's taken countless volunteer hours to restore the aircraft and thousands of dollars of parts have been purchased. But the Lancaster is rare. In uh, dollar value, uh, I've heard varying amounts, but the way this lank sits being a taxable aircraft, one of only four in the world, um, it probably is worth anywhere from, I would say, four to six million dollars. Now, the story of the Lancaster in the Bomber Command Museum doesn't end yet. That's because the museum has acquired a Halifax bomber that it will restore to sit side by side with the Lancaster. Now, it needs space to do that, so it's going to expand the museum by 25,000 square feet to house the two historic aircraft. Kevin Fleming, CTV News, Danton. Around 2001, as most of the grain elevators in Alberta were coming down, Nanton made a choice to buck that trend. With the final elevator row of the community in danger of being demolished, the citizens of the community decided to preserve that part of their history instead, and they would form the Save One campaign. Over the next three years, with the danger of demolition ever-present, the members of the Save One Historical Society gained full title to the land and the buildings. Not only did they save one of the elevators, they saved all three through countless volunteer hours and work. They then got to work repairing and restoring the elevators, including painting the Alberta Wheat Pool elevator back to its original green and the Pioneer elevator back to its original origin yellow. Today, the history of the Nanton elevators and the agricultural history of the community is celebrated in those elevators as part of the Canadian Grain Elevator Discovery Centre. The Pioneer Grain Elevator is especially historic, having been built in 1929 by the independent Grain Company Limited. The history of Nanton is not only present in the various buildings and museums in the community, but in the many antique shops that are found there as well. I lived in High River for several years, and I made many trips to Nanton where I not only enjoyed some wonderful candy at the famous Nanton Candy Store, but I picked up many antiques in the various antique shops in the community, including my prized vinyl copies of Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. If you want to hold history in your hands, visit Nanton and the many wonderful shops that are there. 
Another great place to learn about the history of southern Alberta is the Museum of Miniatures, which was established in 2001 in Cardston by Captain Roy Whitman and his wife Carol. The miniatures depicted not only scenes from the Old West, but also jungles, dinosaurs, lakes, mountains, ranching, covered wagons, farming, and much more. The entire museum was moved to Nanton in 2010 and can be visited for a unique view of history. I hope you enjoyed that episode and my look at Nanton, Alberta. If you did, please leave a rating and review. If you like, you can email me at craig at canadaehx.com. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D, and I'm on Instagram at Bairdo37. As well, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash canadaehx. And you can donate to the podcast by going to canadaehx.com and clicking donate. I'd also like to thank all of my wonderful patrons, and I apologize if I get any names incorrect. Robert Page, Richard D., Colin Johnson, Katie Caldwell, Jeff Hershey, Kyle Murray, Steve Pakin, Matthew Gartho, Lionel Romaine, Dr. Bob Turner, an anonymous patron that I truly do appreciate, Randy Hayden, Doug Campbell, Reg W., Deborah Carlson, Francis Helbling, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Chauve, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Rawa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. Thanks, and we'll see you again next time.